This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Oh, uh, we want to welcome everybody. Welcome all our, I guess we could call it the Zoom people. Is, is that going to be like a terminology? I think that's going to be like a new thing. I think like, you know, like Zoom is going to be like, let me Google something and be like, let's, you know, do a Zoom. It's like, it's probably going to get on like that status. So I want to thank everybody for joining us on the live share on Zoom. And of course, anybody who's tuning in, you know, once we post this class online. So thank you all for joining. So tonight we are learning for an easy birth for Natella, Leah, Bat, Stella, Sarah, and Le'ilu Nishmat Avram ben Chaim Yehuda and Yecheskel ben Avraham. So tonight is, uh, you know, and I was actually trying to figure out how I was going to go and word this, uh, this class. And, and one of the, one of the wording that I was toying with was the famous question. Dot, 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 why? And the reason is one of the, the most popular questions that people ask is kind of like along the lines, like, so if we're God's chosen people, and if God loves us, then why does he hurt us? Why do we have so much troubles and tribulations? Why do we have issues? So the goal of tonight is to try to, uh, you know, start off a topic of trying to understand what is the purpose of all the troubles and tribulations? What is the purpose really of suffering? That's really what we want to try to get to. And the goal is, is that, even though I don't write it down in the actual wording, but so we have like a very long, you know, series on Imuna. And each of those series are a few like, m- like mini series inside the series. And uh, this series itself is sort of like the, the series that's surrounding like how to get rid of, of problems, how to get rid of suffering to the best of your, uh, you know, ability. So that's what we're going to try to focus tonight, with God's help, to try to go and see why does God send us troubles and suffering and tribulations and, and all these issues that people have in life. Now, if, if we could go use, a, let's say, an example that, you know, God forbid, let's say there was a terrorist attack in Israel. And what happens after a terrorist attack? After anything that happens, people are usually nervous. Like, you know, you're looking after post-corona, people are going to be wearing masks for a long time. People are not going to want to shake hands for a long time, uh, which probably be good for the whole Shomer Nikia situation. You know, that would work out for, uh, you know, a little bit as long as it could last. And, you know, people are just extra careful until things get back to normal. So let's say, God forbid, there was a terrorist attack in Israel. And uh, it could be anywhere. And... Um, you know, people get nervous and people don't want to leave the house. People are nervous to take a buses, maybe take the trains, maybe to, uh, you know, venture out into the streets. And a very common response, and especially in Israel, is like, no, Hashem, God is protecting us. And if God is protecting us, then we don't have to worry. We could go to the Kotel, we could go to Kefir Achal, we could go to wherever we need to, we go to Rabshim Baichai. God is watching over us. So the post question that comes right after that is, well, wait a minute. If God is watching over us and God is protecting us, then how did, how can we got that first punishment? You know, back when we had that terrorist attack, like why did, how did that work out? So, the Pasuk in Devarim, chapter 8, verse 5, says, Ve'adata im You shall know in your heart, Ki ish That just like you have a man, the translation of this is just like you have a man that, that rebukes his son, so too you have God rebuking you, the same sort of manner. So, the question that follows that up be like, you know, that, that I get also often is like, I don't understand, Rabbi. I love my kids. I would never do to them what God is doing to me. So how can you tell me that God loves me like a child? I would never do what I have. I wouldn't wish it on anybody what I'm going through. And I don't want it to go through. So how could I would never do it to my son? You told me that God, you want to do it to my son. So how do we go and understand these tragedies when, you know, you're saying it comes out of love and it all comes from God. But then like, so, 
it, it, I love my son. I love my daughter. Why I would never want to do these bad things that happen to me. So the question is, is where's where's Hashem's love? Where's God's love? So Rabbi Yitzhak Dwight goes and gives a um, a mashal, a, a story. Imagine you have just to like make this question a little bit stronger. He goes and he says, imagine you have a bunch of thugs, uh, you know, break into someone's home, and they go there with guns like pointing, and they go and they and they tie everybody up in these like zip ties behind it, and they're threatening and it's screaming and it's dangerous, and people are you know you know going out of their minds, and they surround the whole family room, you know, fa- the family in one room, and with guns pointing at them and saying, hey, you better not move or I'm gonna shoot, you know, who knows what they're saying. And then they go into the safe, they break open the safe, and they start taking things out. And all of a sudden, dun, 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 there's a hey, there's like one of the neighbors that come in with like a cape around his you know neck, and he's like neighbor to the rescue. And he goes and he uses his kung fu abilities, and he destroys all the thugs, you know, with you know by blinking his eyes, you know, and flinching his fist and doing certain things, and he saves the day. He takes the he takes these these you know robbers if you want to call them he handcuffs them and he goes and he unties the family and he calls the police the police come in and they're like wow we never saw this and they go and they take everybody away. A few weeks go by and the owner of the home all of a sudden is like is like I'm so grateful for my neighbor you know he's my he's our savior and he goes and he makes a huge kiddush just for his neighbor he says my neighbor saved me he goes and he honors his neighbor and all of a sudden he finds out that. His neighbor staged the whole thing. Like his neighbor went, hired a bunch of thugs, hired the police to come later, and he says, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, I'm going to do like this. And they rehearsed it just like a movie. They went and they punched over here, they ducked over here, and they did this and they did that just to make it look all good. So why? So that he could go and he could look good in his neighbor's eyes. If you go and you ask this person who just found out that this neighbor staged the whole thing, is he going to be happy with his neighbor or is he going to be angry with his neighbor? And the answer is 100% he's going to be so upset at his neighbor. It's like, are you kidding me? It's like, you put me in this stressful situation. You know my heart. You know how people go, right? You know how stressful I am and you know how I got this. And you put me in this and now you want me to be grateful to you? So this is the question that people go and ask on the God and be like, God, I don't understand. Yeah, you saved us from Haman. Yes, you saved us from the Greeks. But you put us there in the first place. You went, you put us in the situation, and then you saved us. You put us in the, you know, in the troubles, and then you took us out. So why is it that we go and we're thankful to God and we are going and we're saying, God, you know, thank you so much for saving us from power. Thank you so much for saving us from Haman, for the Greeks, for all our troubles. We say thank you, but like God put us there in the first place. Very, very famous question. Very difficult to understand. I hope that nobody tunes in right now because you have to listen to the answer to this. It's a good question, but the answer is also very good. So I want to share with you where David Asher goes and gives a beautiful answer. And he says, if it was not for the Greeks, you know what would have happened to the Jewish people? We would have been Hellenized. We would have assimilated into the Greek culture. What would have happened with Haman? Haman also, he would have, you know, the same thing would have happened, would have influenced, you know, be influenced by the Persian culture and fallen into that. What happens if Parol was not paranoid about the Jews, and he went and he just let the Jews live. He says, we would have ended up becoming Egyptian. That was the path that we're going to. So what happened? God comes, sends us these problems, but there's a reason for these problems. Yes, God sent it, but there's a reason why God sent it. And God sent it sort of to give us a wake-up call. and says, hey, hey, you know, you're going on the wrong path. So God sends us a problem. We wake up, or at least we should. And then God removes the problem. So you know what we're thankful for? People don't realize this. Every time we're in problems and we say, you know what, thank you God for going and taking us out of this problem. We also have to thank God for putting us into that problem. And again, 
we don't want God to put us into any problems. You know, Akadish Baruch Hu, we don't want any problems. We want to have a good life, a successful life, a healthy life, a life that we can grow into our mitzvot without any problems. But when God goes in His infinite wisdom and He goes and He gives us a problem, that is also something to be thankful for. That is something that we can go and say, you know what, God, you know, like not only am I thankful for taking us out of the problems, but I'm also thankful for putting us into the problems. And that's why the Pasuk says, You have to know this in your heart. You have to know this. A child not always agrees with what the father does. He might tell his friends his father hates him. His father is punishing him. He's not letting him go to what he wants to do. He's not letting him do all the fun things that he wants to do. But the truth be told, the father knows a lot more than the kid. And the father goes and says, listen, I know more than you. HaKadosh Baruch goes and tells us this world has been around since Adam HaRishon for almost 6,000 years. There's more than meets the eye. There's more to what's going on over here that we can understand and comprehend. So what we have to know is that there's a reason to our suffering. And this is something that would help us be calm when difficulties arise. You know, in the Holocaust, you know, Rabbi, Rabbi Ashazal Grubenstein brings down, the Holocaust, you had many people ask the question, like, you know, God forgot about us. Look at the Holocaust. Unfortunately, we lost so many people, so many family members, so many ancestors. We lost so many people. Imagine what the Jewish nation would be like if, if there wasn't the Holocaust. So we feel like as if God forgot about us. God let us go. And throughout history, this is something that's very common. This is something very common that happens in Jewish history. Oh, during Tachvatat, God forgot about us. During the Spanish Inquisition, God forgot about us. During the Holocaust, God forgot about us. During every personal struggle, we're like, where is God? Where are you? But the truth be told, as it says in the Pasuk in Yeshayahu, chapter 40, verse 28, There is no fathoming of God's understanding. We can't begin to fathom it. And people think, you know why, that what happened with the Holocaust, that people lost their emunah. They went and they left the, they left Judaism. They said, you know what, if this is what God is, I don't want to have anything to do with it. And we hear so many stories of people that after the, before the Holocaust, they were religious to a certain extent. But after the Holocaust, they were like, adios, I'm out of here. And people think they lost their Muna. Why? Because of the Holocaust. But says Rabbi Shazal Gubzi, no, 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 no. That's not historically correct. When you look at it, it the, the masses, the majority of people did not lose their faith during the Holocaust. In fact, to the contrary, the Holocaust was a wake-up call. It was a painful cry to people to wake up. And a large number of Jews, what was going on over there, before the Holocaust, a large number of Jews were not following the Torah. They were not following the Mitzvah. They were not keeping Shabbat. They were not keeping Kashrut. They were not keeping Halakha. And then all of a sudden the Holocaust comes around, you know, and Hitler, Yemach comes in. And the Jewish people can no longer keep Shabbat. They can no longer learn to all. They couldn't keep them. And so they had to eat trape. They had to eat horse soup. Can you imagine how disgusting? They had to eat horse soup in order to survive. They had to eat chametz on Pesach. But you know what? They had got nothing. The Nazis went and they, they calculated that they sort of medically assessed the minimum amount of food to be able to keep the Jews alive, but yet still allowing them to perform manual labor. So, so they sort of balanced it just to the bare minimum. So the Jewish people had nothing back then. They had nothing. They couldn't keep the Torah. They couldn't keep the mitzvah. They couldn't, they didn't have anything, but they had one thing going for them. And as they had their emunah, they had their faith in God. And says Rabbi Rubenstein, if you go and you look, and you research those people that gave up their Munah, look at what they were like before the Holocaust. He goes and he says, in most cases, there was nothing really there to begin with, as far as faith has to do with, with, uh, with Judaism. He said, as soon as excuse came along, what happened? They threw off their whole religion in its entirety. And he says, this is not something like, oh, comes the Holocaust and now they threw it off. Look at what they were beforehand. How many people were strongly religious beforehand that the Holocaust comes and then they leave? We see stories upon stories upon stories that the people that were strong in faith, they had faith till the very end. 
till the very end, and that's what kept them going. And the people that didn't die, that were able to survive, what kept them going was their faith. The people that lost faith, says Rabbi Uzi, are the people that didn't have it to begin with. And you look, this is throughout history. You look at the Chet the sin of the golden calf. This is what happened over here. Who, what did the, how did the sin start? It started with the Erev Rav. It started from the, from the, from these Egyptian converts that were not truly sincere. What happened over here? They, they, they saw, they saw an opening and they had a weak faith and, and they sort of fell into that. Look at the, the, the Bnei Levi, look at the, the tribe of Levi. The tribe of Levi were deeply dedicated to God. They were constantly learning to Allah. They were constantly, they, they didn't even need to answer the, the questions of like, where's Moshe Rabbeinu? How come he's not returning? They were so connected to God, they were, the Chet Egel didn't happen by them. So we see over here something very important. That people, when bad things happen and they go and they lose their faith, they say, whoa, why does suffering happen? Why do good things happen to bad people? Oh, duh, this is God, I'm, I have nothing to do with it. Those people in general, most of the time, do not have any faith to begin with. They look for an excuse and they leave. So then the question goes and it gets asked, so how should one look at it? The Zohar says in Parshat B'chukotai, goes and it says that how beloved are the children of Israel before HaKadosh Baruch Hu, That he desires to go and rebuke them and reprove them and lead them onto the straight path. Like what? Like a loving father. God, that's how God God gives us um, the, this, this Musar, this Chizuk, this rebuke to go. He does it and it goes to people that, that he loves. People that he hates, you know, you do you. You know, you live your life. I'm not, you know, like you want to live, you, you, you want to be good, you want to be good, you want to be bad. Whatever it is, God says, I'm going to let you go. But for the people that he loves, no, no, no. Those are the ones that he goes and he makes sure that they're on the right path. Rav Shach brings down a, a mashal and he goes and he says that there was once a little boy. And this little boy was walking with his father in the woods. It was a very thick, like, wooded forest. And he was walking with his son. And his father was, like, busy, I guess, with animals, with other things. And he told his son, he says, listen. He says, I know you're a little bit young, but I need you to stay very close to me. I know it sounds interesting. You'll see hills. You'll see branches that you want to jump on. You'll see so many fun things, and you know, animals that you want to chase after. But I need you to promise me that you're going to stay next to me the entire time. Because if you get lost over here, it's very dangerous. And the father said, you know, the boy says, Father, don't worry about it, Dad. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to listen to you. And they're going through the forest. And all of a sudden, he starts seeing sights. You know, a little kid. He sees a branch. He's like, I could climb that. He sees a little tree. I could jump over that. He sees a little bunny rabbit. He says, I want to chase after that. And before you know it, he didn't do it, you know, you know, consciously. But he started like, you know, just like chasing a little bit and then coming back. And before you know it, he chased a little bit too far. He went a little bit too far off the, off the road. He drifted away. And to the point that all of a sudden, he couldn't find his father when he was looking around. And he started panicking. And the more that he was searching for him, the more lost he became. And all of a sudden, it was getting close to night. And he tried to find his father. He tried calling out to his father. Nothing is happening. And slowly, slowly, nightfall came. And nightfall came. He was so scared. Imagine what it is being alone at night. You know, people are scared to walk in Brooklyn at night. And there is lights everywhere. You're just nervous because, you know, some, who knows what the shady character, you know, characters are walking around. But imagine, God forbid, being lost in a forest. Being lost in a forest is like... <clears throat> It's, you know, imagine someone's home in a, in a huge house and they just heard that somebody got robbed down the street and they're home all alone. What is going to be the second that they hear a door creak? They're going to be like, what was that? You heard that? Like, they're going to have 911 on speed dial. You know, they're going to have weapons at their discretion. Every little thing they're going to jump. Now, imagine, that's times a thousand you're in the woods. You're in the woods all alone and it's open space. You're not protected. Every little crack of a twig, you're like, okay, someone's going to murder me. <laughs> you know, like, this is it. You know, that's the end. Every time you hear a dog sneeze, you're like, that's it. A lion just roared. <laughs> you know, that's it. It's all, it's all over right now. This boy was shivering, you know, out of fear in his, in his pants. He was so nervous. He's like, what am I going to do? He's like, where's my father? And he's sitting over there. He's not knowing what to do. All of a sudden, 
he felt like a strong pain on his cheek, like just like a punch or a slap on his cheek. And he was so much in shock that before he could even like let out any emotion of like a cry or a, scra- a scream, he looks up and he sees that it's his father. His father was there and he gave him like a smack against, the, you know, against his face. So we know nowadays, you know, you know, child protective service is going to be called out. You know, how dare you do that? But back then is when people actually respected their parents. And if a parent did something, they're like, oh, what happened? And the child goes and gets a hit from his father. And he looks up and his initial reaction is like, oh, who just hit me? I want to cry. I want to be, I'm hurt. But he sees his father all of a sudden, instead of being upset, instead of being angry, instead of being hurt, all of a sudden he's like, daddy, it's like, it's you. It's so amazing. And he runs and he gives his father a great big hug. He's like, if my father is here, I'm saved. Says Rav Shach, this is how we have to feel when we go and God punishes us. If God is punishing us, if God is sending us something, we have to go and say, wait a minute, our Father in Heaven just gave us a little slap and said, hey, hey, by the way, look where I am, I'm right here. Then we have to, thank you God for putting us in this situation, thank you God for going. It shows that God cares about us. And what happens is that, that when people don't follow the Torah, when people don't follow the mitzvot of what we need to do, what does God do? God sends us these wake-up calls. And it's very, very unfortunate for those that don't wake up and, and, and get those wake-up calls. In Parashat Kitavo, there is the Tochacha. And then the Tochacha goes and says the most horrific descriptions of what would happen, the punishments that would befall the Jewish people if they don't follow the Torah Mitzvot. And what's so scary is that this was carried out during the Holocaust. And Rabbi Victor Miller goes, and he brings something very fascinating. He says, when you look at every other religion, how do religions except Judaism. How do religions go and, and convince you that you're going to have a successful, happy life or afterlife? They don't, they don't ever speak about this world. They don't say, hey, if you're going to go and follow Christianity, if you're going to go and follow Islam, if you're going to follow and hold Hinduism, then you're going to see that you're going to have a good in this world. But if you don't, oh, then you're going to have a very bad in this world. The only religion that says that is Judaism. The Torah says that if you follow the Torah, if you go and you follow in our, the Torah, then you'll have a good life. If you don't follow the Torah, very unfortunate things that would happen. Says Rabbi Victor Miller, the, this, the Holocaust was the most painful example of this promise being fulfilled. No other religion would say that. You want to know why? Because they'll be called out on their false. I'll be like, ha, look, I can do whatever I want and nothing happens to me. But you look at Judaism. Time and time again, God sends us these wake-up calls and say, hey, don't fall asleep. You got to wake up. You got to realize what you're here in this world for. These are these wake-up calls and this is why the Torah, out of all the religions, only Judaism goes and says, hey, if you listen to Torah, you have a good life. If you don't listen to Torah, you're not going to have a good life. There's going to be problems. And you look at this furthermore, you look at, you know, like, the hand of God in the in the rise of Hitler in Marshall. It, it, it defies logic completely. He, you know, Hitler wasn't even German. He was Austrian. He was born out of wedlock, you know, to a servant girl. He was a rebel and a fugitive. He became, you know, besides the epilepsy, whatever it is, he had so many issues going on for him. Yet, he became a dictator with absolute power. That makes to the extent that the cultural Germany, you know, like the the you know the the Western civilization of that time, the you know the highest level of education, Germany. They went and they, they worshipped Hitler. Hail Hitler, they used to say. They worshipped him. And they murdered at his command. It defies logic. How does that make sense? It doesn't make sense. The guy, you know, doesn't even speak well. 
he was very motivated, but that, everything just doesn't make sense. This is how the Western culture is. And by the way, it wasn't that long ago that this happened. People think, you know what, okay, the, the Holocaust happened in the olden days. It wasn't that long ago. It was still in a democratic world where people went and they, 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 they went and they had voting power. They had different things to the extent of what happened over here is, is mind-boggling and how we don't... We can't even begin to see how God's hand is manipulating everything. This is something that really defies logic. This is what the Gemara Bava Batra says on page 119b. It goes and says, Good things happen through the path, through the conduit of good people. And bad things happen are brought through bad people. When God does something for you, you have to realize that it's not, God is sending messengers to you. Hitler was a messenger, Yemach and whatever, you know, like, he's going to get what's coming to him. But he, at the end of the day, he was a messenger. And just like anybody else that hurts you, bothers you, you know, insults you, steals from you, they are messengers. That's all they are. They are messengers. The sole, the sole source of all your problems and all your shuat is God. God is the source of everything. Everything else is a messenger. Yes, we have to go, and if someone does something to us, you can't say, oh, it wasn't you, it was God that gave me this this uh, promotion, business, money, whatever it is, you know, she do. No, we have to have a katato, we have to have gratitude, and we have to go and, and, and behave like normal human beings. But at the end of the day, whether someone does something good and something that someone does bad, we have to realize that it comes from one source, and that source is God. That is what Pitachon is. Pitachon is when you can go and realize that everything has one address. And that address is a Hakadosh Baruch Hu. That's the address of everything. To what extent is this? Says the Gemara in Chulim. That a person doesn't bruise his finger. A little stub of your toe, a little stub of your finger. Unless it was announced up above. Only when God goes and says this person is going to go and he is going to have his little pinky toe stubbed which we know is pretty much as painful as childbirth. You know, like, it's so painful. Like, why is God doing this to me? You know, I stubbed my pinky. You, This is something that also happens from God. Everything, whether it's big, whether it's small, all happens from God. The Gemara in Eirchen goes, page 16b goes and says, Ad heichan, ha, until where is Yusurin? Until where do you have what's considered suffering or what's considered just normal life? So the Gemara brings a bunch of different examples from different different rabbis. So one rabbi goes and says, if somebody goes and has his clothing tailored, and it's not quietly the same fit that he wanted to, that's also from God. Another rabbi comes and says, let's say he goes to a bartender, and he wants, he has a bottle, you know, a cup of wine, and he wants the bartender to add hot wine. But he mistakenly, the bartender goes and adds cold wine. That too is suffering that is brought from God. A third rabbi goes and says, yo, let's say somebody goes and puts on his shirt, but he puts it on backwards accidentally. That suffering also is from God. And Rabbi goes and says, another rabbi goes and says, let's say someone goes and puts his hand in his pocket. And he wants to take out three coins. And instead of taking out three coins, he only takes out two coins. Meaning that he has that extra suffering of having to put his hand back in his pocket and take out an additional coin. Says Rava, that too is suffering. And by the way, before we explain this, there's an interesting chidush that we can bring out over here. You realize the first two scenarios is out of his control clothing tailored, and a bartender. That is not his fault. Yet, that is from God. But the second two, interesting chidush, is that the second two is his fault. He put on a shirt backwards. Next time, look what you're doing. He put his hands in his pocket. You can't feel three coins. He's like, it's his fault. Why did? But still, the rabbi says that's still coming from up above. That's suffering that comes up from up above. Rabbi Dei Rasher brings a story from Rabbi Yisrael Salanter that he was once invited to meet the queen. 
And this is right after the queen gave birth to a child after not having a child for 30 years. 30 years of waiting when unfortunately when, a, when, a, when parents go through something that they can't have a child for so many years and finally they have a child oh they shower this child with blessings with uh, you know with anything that they desire they give it so much love and, and obviously it's it, every child should be like that but when you want something for so long and you finally get it oh do you cherish it more and imagine that's regular parents but imagine someone who has the ability as like a queen to do anything they want for their child servants you know money vacation everything you want and Rabbi Yisrael Salanta went and visited this queen right after she had the baby. And she goes and she described to the rabbi how much she loved and adored her new son. And her life goal at this point would be to make sure that he is always happy, this prince. And he never experiences any form of suffering. She would ensure that he had servants at his disposal and every wish, they, you know, his, his wish is their command and they will get it instantly. So the rabbi Yisrael Salanta goes to her and says, but let's say... He wants a tissue from his pocket. And he puts his hand in his pocket and he by mistake put his hand in the wrong pocket. The tissue was in the other pocket. He says, what are you going to do about that scenario? And the queen says, wait, that scenario? He says, that's not suffering. That's normal life. That wouldn't bother me. I want to protect him from suffering. That's not suffering. When Rabbi Yisrael Salanta went and he left the palace, he looked up to Shemaim and he says, the queen had her first child after 30 years. She loves him so much more than anything in the world. But yet it wouldn't bother her if her son would pick, reach his hand in his pocket and take out a tissue if it was a mistaken pocket. He put it in the wrong pocket. It wouldn't bother her. Right pocket, wrong pocket. Ah, regular life. That's nothing to worry about. But yet he goes up to God and says, He says, you go and you consider you love your children so much more than that Then if a child goes, one of your children goes and puts his hand in his pocket and he once takes out three coins and he only takes out two coins, that you're going to count as suffering. Look at the level of love that God has to each and every single one of us. Says the Gemara in Aachim, page 16b again, that says that why is this information so important to us? Because if a person goes 30 days, I'm sorry, 40 days, without any suing, without any suffering, he has to be concerned that he has been given his reward in this world and rather than getting it in, his, in the next world. So the question that is asked, you know, by that, but let's say, well, like, why is that a problem? Let's say he's very careful. He puts on his shirt, he makes sure that he looks at it and says, no, I'm going to make sure every single day I'm putting on my shirt the right way. He makes sure every time he puts his hand in his pocket, he focuses, he concentrates. I make sure I'm going to take out the right coins that I needed. He goes to a barber that's very careful. He goes to a bartender that's very careful. He goes to a tailor that's very careful. He's very careful in everything that he does. So he doesn't experience any hardship. He says, that's, that, you know, that, that's something that he's just being very careful. Why is it that a person loses, feels like he's losing his share in the world to come if he's just extra careful? And the answer is, is that's not the tailor, it's not the bartender, it's not the barber, it's not you, it's not, the final say of what happens to us only is from God. It's only from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He is directly involved in tailoring our clothing, in preparing our drinks, and how we get dressed in the morning, and what we take out from our pocket. This is the extent of Hashkacha Pratit. This is the extent of divine providence that God oversees everything. And this is what happens when some, some unfortunate, let's say calamity falls, destruction, suffering goes upon a person. If he thinks that there's no divine cause, that there's no hashkachapati, there's no divine providence, he's going to feel bad. He's like, you know what? If I would have acted differently, if I would have done this and that, I could have prevented this calamity. Maybe I, if I would have done this, I would have invested smarter over here. I would have made so much money. But a person who is a botech b'ashem, a person who trusts in God, he knows he's consoled, he feels calm, he knows that everything is, in, is from God. This is what Hassanish goes and says and explains that when people go 
and they don't trust so much in God, then they rely on people. So they're going to find wealthy, influential people and try to get Patexi over here and try to convince you to push you over here. And that, the, all these, these schemes that they're going to try to do because that's how they feel like they're going to get what they want. But someone who trusts in God, what do they dedicate themselves to? Tshuva, tfila, utztaka. They go and if something bad is happening, they want to get out of it. You know what they do? They start repenting for their sins. Try to fix something. They start praying to God, please God, get us out of this. They give a little bit of a little bit of charity to annul the evil, the evil decree. What a different life. What a different focus when you're dealing directly with the source or when you're dealing with the messengers. It's so important to realize whatever we're dealing with, to realize where it's coming from. What is the issue and where is the source? And God is the source of everything. And people should not go, if someone hits them with a stick, you don't blame the stick, you blame the person. And I'm not saying, God forbid, we can never blame God. There's a reason for it. That's how we started. There's a reason for everything that happens to us. There's a reason for every difficulty that we encounter. Whether it's from our family, whether it's from our panasa, whether it's from our health, whether it's from our children, or lack of thereof. This is coming from God. We can't be, you know, upset about the stick. We gotta look at the source. And not only we gotta look at the source, we gotta be thankful for the source. There's a reason why God's doing it. There's a reason, there's a prime and reason, there's a purpose for everything that happens. And if we go and start blaming other people, you know, that, that only blemishes our emunah. Says Rabbi Victor Miller. And he goes and he says, there's another reason for Yisulim. There's another reason for suffering. There's a Pasuk in Tehilim, chapter 94, verse 10. It says, Will he who chastises rebukes the nation? He's not going to give them rebuke? What, why, why does God do this? Why does God go, the Pasuk says, and give people rebuke? It says, Adam das. He teaches man knowledge. What is knowledge? He wants people to wake up. When our forefathers were enslaved by Paro, we began to suffer. What did we do? It says the Pasuk in Shemot, chapter 2, verse 23. It says, It says, We cried out. They went and they cried out to God because of their hard work. They realized they had an address of where to cry to and where to turn to. And they went over there. So what happened? They got out of it. When people respond appropriately and properly, they're going to be spared from their Yisurim. And this is what it is. This is what it means when it says we have, it, it teaches melamet atam das. It teaches man das. Das, says Rabbi Victor Miller, is the most important. Das is knowledge. Das is the most important thing. The more important than life. More important than being happy is das, is knowledge. God causes disturbances in the world, in our private lives. Why? To wake us up. As a pasuk in Yecheskel, Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26, goes and says that God goes and says, I'm going to remove, I'm going to remove this lev ha'evan, I'm going to remove this heart of stone, that's in your, it's in your flesh. And I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. Meaning that in the future, God is going to take away our heart of stone and He's going to give us a heart of flesh, a heart that feels. Says the Gemara Sukkah, page 52a. It says that there are seven names to the Yetzirah. There are seven names of the evil inclination. And one of them is Evan, is stone. Why, why is that stone? Because people live their lives day in and day out with habit, by rote, just, just doing things without any feeling, without any thinking about it. That's from the Satan, that's from that. And what happens is when an entire nation goes and starts doing everything by rote, by, by, without any feeling to it, God sends Yisurim. It's a purpose to stir people into emotion, to wake people up, to say, hey, hey, you know, you got something inside of you. The Yisurim, the, 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 the suffering that a person goes to, it makes a person think. There was an amazing story that happened where, where there was it was unfortunately a couple that lost an infant daughter, passed away. And before the funeral, meaning that it's very, very fresh, the father came to Rabbi Shlomo Zaman Arbach to ask him some halachic questions. And while he was there and asking the question, Rabbi Shlomo Zaman goes 
and he sticks out his hand and he holds the guy's hand. And he holds the guy's hand and he goes and he, and Rabbi Shalom Zaman Orbach tells this guy, he says, do you feel my hand? And the guy's looking at him and says, yeah, yeah, I, I feel your hand. And Rabbi Shalom Zaman goes and says, I see you're wearing a watch. How come you feel my hand but you don't feel your watch? He says, you want to know why? It's because you got used to the watch and when you get used to the watch, you don't feel it anymore. It becomes second nature to you. You don't touch it. Says Rav Shalom Zaman Armech, God went, HaKadosh Baruch Hu went and He took a hold of you. He went and He held you. He wants you to know that the purpose of what happened to you is to know that do not forget there is a Boreh Olam. Do not forget there is a Creator. Do not forget there is a God in Heaven that is overseeing everything. Says Rav Shalom Zaman Armech, all these tragedies are a voice from Heaven. You should know that there is a Creator. You should know that there is someone up above watching. I think the biggest lesson that I got from this story was not, you know, the basic lesson, but was the fact that you have a tzaddik like Rabbi Shlomo Zaman Arbach that was before the funeral of the child was able to say that to him. He says, look at how a person has to be able to speak in order for someone to be receptive of that. You just went through the most difficult thing. We all know when people go through difficulties in life, they don't want to hear it. When they're dealing with it, they don't want to hear it. it's all from heaven. They just want to grieve. But if someone gets in such a level and cares deeply for each and every single one of his fellow Jews... Then when a person goes and says, you know, like holds him and says, you know, like he shows him the love and the appreciation. He says, you have to realize there's a reason for it. Yes, you're suffering right now. But God took a hold of you. And God is saying, hey, I'm here. I'm here. Don't forget. The Chavot Al-Vavot goes and says that sometimes there's a stroke of good luck that happens. And the purpose of that stroke of good luck, let's say a person becomes wealthy. The purpose of that, like totally unexpected. The purpose for that is to make him aware that there's a God. To know that he, some, that he is not in charge of his affairs. There's someone up in heaven that's in charge of everything. But unfortunately, this doesn't always work out. People tend to give themselves credit. Basuka Mishlei, chapter 28, verse 11. It says, Chacham be'enav ish ashir. A rich man is wise in his own eyes. People that, you know, Baruch Hashem, are able to be successful in business or anything, anything in life. What do they attribute to? They attribute to the Pasuk in Tvarim, chapter 8, verse 17. <laughs> you know how I got this? My strength and my might gave me this wealth. That's a very, very unfortunate thing. But sometimes, sometimes when, when there's like a person makes like a crazy deal and it makes money out of the nowhere, they get this opportunity and they utilize it and say like, you know what, I'm a nobody. I'm not a good businessman. I'm not a good talker. I'm not able, to, but yet I made money anyways. Thank you God for giving me what I had. I know that I couldn't do this without you. There's no way. This man, has, when he gained his wealth, he gained something even greater than wealth. And that says our Bevig Damila, he gained das, he gained knowledge. If a man lives a long life and he attributes it you know, people that have a long life. It's interesting because the way that the secular world works is that if someone's successful, so like, oh, so they, everybody's interviewing them. How did you make your money? And be like, through saving, through frugality, through going and proper investing. And be like, that's all nonsense. <laughs> you know, like God gave it to you at the end of the day. You go, people, I live a long life. So how do you live a long life? I sleep eight hours a day. You know, I make sure that I'm very careful in what I eat. I don't know why I'm making this voice, but let's go with it. And I'm going to go, and every time I'm going to go, and I'm going to be always relaxed, and I'm not going to be stress-free. People go, and they say, you know, all of a sudden, they're the biggest doctors in the world. <laughs> you know, like, they're the ones, you know, they smoke, they drink, uh, but because they slept eight hours a day, that's what they have to go. It's nonsense. It's none of that. It's because God, God gave you the, all that. It's nothing more. Like, if I could, you know, bring up, you know, my grandfather, Zohanallah Vacham, um, <clears throat> that he, Baruch Hashem, he passed away, you know, he, he lived he lived till 102. He passed away very recently. But he lived a very long life. And whenever anybody spoke to him about like, why did you live such a long life? 
He doesn't say anything about sleeping, about eating correctly, about being relaxed, about going and following the Torah, even though he did everything like that. He always attributed to one thing. He got a bracha from Rav Wasserman, from Rav Wasserman. He got a bracha for a long life. He says, that's why I had a long life. He has nothing to do with anything else that I did. And he was a healthy guy. He did everything according to the thing. He, you know, if he needed medication, he took medication. He was very, very health conscious. And, you know, getting credit to my mother and my aunt, who also, you know, took care of him towards the end. He was very, you know, they were very on top of all the health, but yet he never attributed his long life to anything else other than God. That's how we're supposed to do. You want to, whatever you have in your life, that's all from God. It has nothing to do with you. That's something that learning does. You're learning knowledge. That you realize that I didn't deserve this. Yes, I'm a good talker. Yes, I'm a good businessman. Yes, I'm healthy. Yes, I do exercise. It's nonsense. Yes, you should do all those things. You should do your business trustfully. You should be, you know, work on your talking skills. You should, whatever it is, be a good person. Everything, yes, a hundred times, yes. But at the end of the day, you have to realize I didn't deserve any of this. This is all from God. Hakadosh Baruch Hu Yishtabachshemo gave me all this. And this is how a person's supposed to go when a person gets something good. But unfortunately, it doesn't always happen. And what happens more when a person wakes up is when Yisurim, when, when punishments, when suffering comes upon him, that has an effect on people. That's why the Pasuk at Deirim, chapter 94, verse 12, says something so amazing. Ashrei agevel, fortunate, praised is the man. Asher te'asrenu ka mitorasecha telamdinu. That when you chastise him, what, is, what does he learn? He learns from the Torah, from the Torah. Meaning that a person, if a person goes and learns his lessons from the Torah, then a little bit of Yisurim that he receives... This is enough for him to figure out what I'm supposed to do. He doesn't need a tremendous amount of wake-up calls. He or she doesn't need a great deal of suffering. He says he gets it. Gets what he needs to do. But what happens is when you're dealing with stubborn people that have a lack of emunah, a lack of bitachon, a lack of seeing that God is everything, then God is going to send them one obstacle, one hindrance after another. And it's only adding, you know, adding frustration and bitterness and suffering to them. And they fail to understand what's going on over here. They're living their life with so much pain, so much suffering, so much bitterness. And they don't realize God is sending you a sign. Stop being so stubborn. Wake up for a second. Realize of why this is going up. Are you following the Torah? Are you following the mitzvah? Are you following what you need to do? Are you a good person? Do you have good character traits? Do you treat your spouse appropriately? Do you treat your children nice? Or is it only outside people? You know, like, how do you feel? How are you connected to God? People with emunah, people with bitachon, people that are constantly trying to go and seek God, God doesn't need to send them wake-up calls. And if He does, very minor ones. They get the, they're like, you know what, God, I get it. You know, I'll wake up. And that's why when people go through suffering, people often ask, lama. Lama in Hebrew means why? But what I heard a beautiful, you know, twist on it, it says instead of asking lama, ask lema. Same words, but, you know, different, you know, like nikudot. Lama is why, lema is what for, or for what. Like, why is God doing this? Like, instead of asking God why, ask God what for. Like, what's the reason for this? What's this, you know, you, all of a sudden you turn the question into a constructive question. The Rebbe Nitzar Rebbe one time was walking to the Aron Kodesh, and... As he was walking, you know, as he was coming down from the Kodesh, he slipped and he fell on the floor. And the big rabbi fell on the floor. Everybody rushes over to him. And they're trying to help him up. The rabbi says, no, no, The rabbi is sitting on the floor. He's like, rabbi, are you okay? Like, what's going on? Do we need to call an ambulance? You're not moving. And uh, they ask him, why, why are you not getting up? And the rabbi responds and he says, you know, I need to think. He says, God made me fall. 
Now, if God made me fall, like, why did God make me fall? What did I do wrong? He didn't get up. He's sitting there on the floor and he's saying, why did I do that? Now, I'm not saying, you know, you go and you trip on the street. You don't sit over there on the floor and, you know, you trip, you're crossing the sidewalk. You go start thinking on the floor. I'd be like, you know what? Let's try and do a cheshbon anefesh. Try to figure out everything that you need to, you did in your life. Why did God do that? Obviously, you know, when you have the ability, you get up, move over, but you start thinking like the rabbis. I start thinking like, why did God do this? What is it that I could take upon myself? And not always we can figure it out. Not always we have that calculation where everything plugs in and say, you know why I got this? Because of this. We don't know. And the, the, the big problem is, or probably the bigger problem is, is that when people think they know. They're like, you know why God did this? Because I have to fix this. And they start getting very frustrated when they're fixing that and their suffering is not going away. We don't know. We have to start taking upon ourselves. One thing after another. Why did I do Maybe it's because of this. Maybe it's because of that. I don't know. Let's try to figure it out. So when you have, let's say, you know, a teenager who, you know, hangs with the wrong crowd. He gets kicked out of school, you know, eventually he deal, you know, he, he's, he's dabbling in the forbidden substances, you know, drugs, and, you know, eventually, you know, the father kicks him out of the house. You're affecting the other kids. I, I can't, I love you, I care about you, but, but you can't. So the father kicks him out and cuts him off. And this is a father that, let's say, you know, is a father, you know, he has means. He's, he's Baruch Hashem. The bank account is very, very full. And this kid is on the street can't hold a job because he's addicted to drugs. He can't do anything because, you know, he doesn't have any support system. So a neighbor goes over to the father and says, what are you doing to your kid? He says, look at him. Have mercy on this kid. You know, take him in. And the father goes, I would love to do it. I'll buy him anything that he wants. He says, but you got to talk to my son. You can't talk to me. But the neighbor goes, you're the one with the money. You can do whatever you want. Just give him some money. And he says, you want me to pay for it? No problem. He says, let him stop acting like a fool. Let him stop acting like a bum and I'll be more than happy to bring him in and taking everything that he wants. Meaning, says Rabbi Tzadwek, that God wants to give us everything. But God wants asks one thing. Stop acting like a bum. Just stop it. Stop. You know, listen what the Torah says. Listen what God says. God wants to give you everything. But come home. Come home. Come home to the Torah. Come home to the mitzvah. God will give you all the blessings. The Zohar tells us that, the, that one of the reasons that God created the, the, you know, us and the world is for a purpose of getting to know Him. And sometimes when we forget about Him a little bit, and we don't know him so close that way that we're supposed to, God sends us little personal messages. And what happens is, if we don't hear these messages, then these messages get louder. And they get louder and louder. And imagine somebody goes and gets a letter from the mail. And he thinks, ah, that's it. I'm getting a check. He opens up. And what happens? Not only it's not a check, it's a bill. He's like, ah. And he takes the bill and he throws it into the garbage. Then a few weeks go by. He gets another bill. That's from the electric company. It says, you got to pay your bill. You know, it keeps on going up. He's like, ah, I don't want to give money. I want to get money. And he takes the paper and he throws it onto the garbage. And bills keep on coming. All of a sudden, the bills stop coming. And he's like, ah, you see? Now I got, yeah, I got my way. I don't have to pay anything. I still got what I want. All of what happens? All of a sudden, within a few days, his house turns into darkness. They turned off the electricity. So did it really help him that he didn't hear the, the letters? He didn't read the letters? He didn't say, I have to pay my bills? Of course it didn't help him. Because after a certain time, the more that we don't realize and we wake up to those letters and we have to pay our bills and we don't pay our bills, then guess, guess what? The water is going to get shut off. The electricity is going to get shut off. God is going to do something. The, the notices, the messages get louder and louder. What happens when you're dealing with stubborn people, stubborn spiritually, physically, it doesn't matter, is that they have so many signs but they say, you know what? No, this is not this is not for me. And by the way, but you know what's most unfortunate? And I deal with you know this you know more often than I would think that I would have to deal with this 
is, let's say people come to me and they ask me for certain advice or certain help, and I try to help to the best of my ability, to the best of my knowledge, and the words really come from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. If it's bad, then it comes from me, but if it's good, it's all from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But when someone comes to me, one of the things that I ask them, and it's not always, but for certain people I ask them, I said, listen, if I go and I give you advice and you don't like it, are you going to say that the advice is wrong and you're just going to go and do whatever it is that you want and you're just looking for me to validate it? Or if I tell you something, are you going to follow through with that? And, um, when, and the reason why I asked it is that many times, it's not many times, I shouldn't say many times, there, there's quite a few times when people call and they, and it's not just me, it's anybody, anybody who they want to ask for advice, they don't really want to ask for advice. They want you to, to validate what they what their opinion is. And sometimes, and in fact many times, it's important to validate a person, on, uh, assuming that it's in the range in the normal uh, realm of things. But there are certain times where the person is just very, they're looking in the wrong place. They're, they're looking and they think their problems are going to be solved by doing X, Y, and Z. And meanwhile, they just have to go to a doctor. You know, stop looking for other... You have to go to a doctor. That's what you need. And I, and, I, and I say this to many people, and I say, you know, like, you know, I don't mind talking to you, but I, I see what you want is not what I feel you need. Uh, many times, I you know, when people ask for advice, it's not about, you know, what I feel and what I think is my professional opinion. You know, like not, not nonsense like that. But when someone comes with an issue, whether it's mental, whether it's medical... The right thing to do is you go to a doctor. Yes, you have to think of the of the suffering, of the reasons of why it came, and you have to fix yourself. But when someone goes and refuses to go to a doctor, refuses to do the correct thing, the legal thing to do, I'm like, come on, you're not, you, you know, you're not listen, you, you're not coming here to want to hear what I want to say. You want to hear what you want to say. And what happens is, is that if I tell you something and you're not going to be happy with it, you're going to go and you do rabbi shopping. You're going to say, oh, let's try this rabbi. Let's try this rabbi. I have people that call me up and say, oh. I want Mikubalim. I want the biggest rabbis. Why? I want the X, Y, and Z. I'm like, you need a doctor is what you need. Like, why you're going... I mean, yes, go to Mikubalim. It's good. You know, I'm not saying don't go. But you're you're not going to anything else and you're assuming this is where your, your you know, salvation is going to come from. So th- we have to go al pidei Yes, if you're on high enough level, you know, you know, you don't need doctors, you don't need anything. But let's be honest. The majority of us we have to go up We have to go through nature. If you're suffering for some mental issue, if you're suffering for some medical issue, if you're suffering something, you have to go through You have to go to a therapist. You have to go see a doctor. All right. You have to go. Yes, you want to go to a, to a rabbi and a kobal to get a, a, a thousand times. Yes, you should do it. Of course. But when you go and you then they, these people go to these rabbis, but they don't give them their what they want. They keep they go shopping or you know from one rabbi to another rabbi, and they think they know better. It's a stubbornness. It's a stubbornness saying, like, no, I know better. I know better. And it's very, very unfortunate because because I could see that it's not going to change no matter what I say. I mean, I say it anyways because I feel like I need to. And many times I tell them, I said, by the way, it's going to come 120. And you're going to come over to and say, hey, how come you didn't tell me I should go see a therapist or I guess you should go see a doctor? And you say, oh, you told me to go. And I'm like, no, no, no. And I tell them. I say, right now I'm telling you. I'm telling you right now that this is what you should do. You don't want to listen? Fine. You, don't, you really don't have to listen to me. You can do whatever it is that you want. It's your life. But I feel, in my humble opinion, you need to see a doctor. You need to see this. But yet they're stubborn. They think that they're right. They know where their Yisraelim comes from. So what happens? God keeps on sending them more and more signs. And instead of focusing on what they need to do, which is what? Which is focusing on the spiritual thing, which is obviously number one, but also on the physical thing. you got to focus on that. Like, okay, let me fix what I need to fix. Let me go what I need to go to. Let me go to the doctors. Let me go do the what I need to do. And what, what we learn from this is that you have people that unfortunately they're very stubborn and no matter if even that you know 100% that you're right and they need to just follow this, they have to just go see a doctor, they're never going to listen. 
and it's very, very unfortunate. Fortunate. It really, you know, to be honest, it, that's something that really hurts me, because like it's something that someone goes through suffering, and I'm like, but your your answer is like right there. Like your answer, you just need a little bit of pills, you know, to like balance some chemicals in your brain. Like you just need a little bit of something. You just need that, and you're not doing it. You're you're not there. It's like someone's by the door, and they're like, okay, what other doors are there? I'm like, it's right there. Just turn it and go in. Just open it up. And they're like, no, 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 there's gonna be other doors. I'm like, yeah, come on, it's there. You gotta do it. Just go. Just listen. And they're like, they think they know better. And it's so unfortunate. And I'm speaking to myself also and everybody. We have to realize we can't be stubborn. We have to keep our minds open of why God is sending these things, these, these lessons. And if we don't figure it out, there might be something else. There might be other, other things. There are people, let's say that I, that I tell them, that, you know, like in my humble opinion, I think you would really benefit from therapists, from therapy. Like, nah, therapy doesn't work. Therapy, there's no use of therapy. There's no point of it. I'm like, it's such a shame because you're living your life of so much suffering that all you need is some coping mechanisms. You all, you just need some coping skills. And if you get that, you'll live such a better life. And they're so stubborn that they everybody thinks they know best. They know better than everything else. So we learned that we have to learn from this, that when God sends us signs, God sends us lessons to learn. We can't be stubborn if you want to learn. You have to open up your mind and be like, why is God sending this? What is the lesson that I could learn? What can I do in every aspect of my life to make this better? And sometimes we have no idea. It's like, it's like way over our head. We have no clue what God wants from us. So then we either ask advice for a rabbi or maybe we go and we take upon something little. Something little and say, you know what, God, I don't know what you want from me. Please help me find me what I need to fix. But until then, I'm going to do this, this little thing. I'm going to dive in with a little bit extra kavanah. I'm going to dress a little bit more modestly. I'm going to learn a little bit extra Torah. I'm going to concentrate a little bit more when I learn. I'm, whatever it is that you decide to take upon yourself, you know, at least you're doing something. At least you're doing something. And with this, we could finish off with one, one final thought on how do we understand the suffering of Gehenom. Now, Rabbi Victor Miller goes and says, that when someone go, when someone, he explains as follows, when someone does a sin, it, it, there's a blemish on their soul. And imagine somebody who goes, who wants to go to this huge, beautiful banquet, the most amazing food ever. And uh, the problem is, you know, the guy forgot his teeth. He doesn't have, you know, he had false teeth and he lost them. He doesn't have any teeth. So he can't enjoy things without chewing them. There's a steak over there. He can't just like, you know, munch them with his gums. He has to go and he has to chew them. So what does he have to do? He has to go to a dentist and the dentist is going to go and it's going to grind some instruments in his mouth and it's going to hurt him until eventually either I'll put him implants or I'll give him fake teeth and do, you know, give him something that he'll be able to appreciate the, that banquet that he really wants to go. Then he goes back to the banquet and he has his teeth. All of a sudden he's able to enjoy it. He's able to enjoy all the food and the delicacies that exist. But the problem is that in the next world, if you put a blemish on your soul, it's impossible to enjoy it unless it gets fixed. Let's say there's a bad character trait. It has to get fixed. So what happens is getting home. Hell is like going to the dentist, Rabbi Victor Miller goes. It's like grinding and filling in those teeth and it hurts. But it gives you the ability to go and appreciate the Gan Eden, the heaven, the Olam Abba, the next world. So what we have to go and we have to, to contemplate, consider, internalize that when bad things happen to us and, you know, we don't want it to happen, obviously, and we don't ask for God for anything, but you look at the way the life goes, you know, not everything is, you know, roses and daisies. You know, there, there is some ups and downs in life. And we have to realize that there is a source from all this ups and downs. All these sufferings come from God. And not only do we have to realize that it comes from God, 
And not only do we realize that God takes us out of that suffering, we also have to be grateful and thankful that God put us into that suffering. Because there's a reason for everything that happens in our life, there's a reason for it. And the more that we wake up, and the more that we can go, and we can understand, you know, what God is doing and why is He doing, then all of a sudden that will give us such a difference, different lease on life. That there is a reason for this. There's a reason for what God is doing. it, And let's try to figure out why. So we started off with the question, like, why does God do all these things? Like, why there's a reason for everything. And the bottom line is, is that not always do we realize a reason. But we have to realize that there is a reason. And then we have to start digging around and trying to figure out what is the reason and how do we get out of it. And B'zat Hashem, that is the goal for the, for the coming classes. And now that we understand that there's a rhyme and reason for it, now how do we go and get out of that? And with that, we'll open up for some questions. Okay, so we have some questions over here already. If anybody wants, could go and type in the questions in the chat box. Okay, so question number one is, if we have the mindset that every single suffering is ultimately for our own good, then how does praying for it to go away play out over here? Shouldn't we rather thank Hashem for each little trouble and not request Him to take it away? Excellent question. So the question is, is that if all suffering comes from God, and all suffering, there's a reason for it, then why should we pray to get out of it. There's obviously a reason for it. But the truth is, this question could get even greater. Why pray for anything at all? That everything comes from God. And if God did something or didn't do something, there's a reason for it. So there's no reason to pray. So Rav Nachman Mibraslav goes and says that God created into the nature of the world that prayer has the ability to supersede nature. So it has the ability to get out of it. So yes, there's a reason for it. And yes, prayer can get, tefillah can get you out of it. But even greater, what people don't realize is that prayer changes you. People, when, when you're going and you have a good prayer, you come out a different person. You come out like connected to God a lot differently. So one of the answers is, there's, there's a few answers here, and Bizarre Hashem will speak about it more in depth in prayer, in the prayer series, in the tefillah series. But it's that when you daven, when you pray, you change you. You become a different person, at least emotionally. At least if you're praying right. So it becomes different. So with that, it's, you know, of course you should pray if they have suffering. You pray and that will take it out of the, you, you will change who you are and that will be, have the ability to remove the suffering. And also, just the power of prayer itself has a schut of merit to go and take you out of it. So even though God gave you the best thing right now, but with prayer you could say, okay, now you're on this level. But with prayer, all of a sudden on this level, on this level, on a higher level, oh, all of a sudden, you the best thing for you is now to remove that. Okay, let's look at the next question. In what aspect should someone, or should they not, compliment another on his achievements if the one complimenting recognizes that everything is coming from Hashem and it wasn't really the other guy's actions that led him to his accomplishments? So this is a very good question. The question is, let's say someone did something, whether to you, whether to themselves, should you compliment them, should you not? And uh, the answer is, is that 100% you should compliment people. Um, again, we're not talking about flattery and flake, you know, you know, that's a whole, you know, subject in itself. But... Complimenting people is very, very important, especially nowadays in age, that, you know, people, you know, really gain a lot from the compliments. It's like when you go and you compliment somebody, it's not only the fact, okay, you did so good and X, Y, and Z, even though it's all from God, but it gives them the power to do, to go and do more. So let's say somebody goes and gives a lot of tzedakah to charity. So you go and say, oh, you know, it's so amazing that you gave so much charity to that. That in itself gives them the ability to do more. They, when people see appreciation, they're motivated to do more. This goes, by the way, very strongly in relationships. You want your spouse to do more, start telling them how much they do. 
start telling them you're amazing. Look how much you do. So when you all of a sudden raise them up, it actually get, makes them want to do more. So yes, you should compliment people, obviously, where it's appropriate. And you should go and give people like the boost uh, that they need because it really helps people. It really helps them live their life. You don't realize, or maybe you do realize, on how much a few words of, of encouragement changes a person's entire being. Like all of a sudden, they're from grouchy to happy. And everybody knows that when you're in a good state of mind, a good mood, you are so much more productive. So anybody who has their own business and has their own place, it's so much better to compliment them than to criticize them. Again, it's trying to figure out and how to do it and how to, you know, the correct balance it, but it's very, very beneficial. Okay, we have here one last question over here I see. How can we use suffering to understand what needs chuva? It's difficult in this generation. For example, we see that it's difficult to understand the reason for corona and etc. So yes, that's a very good point that we don't always see the reason for why God is sending us, you know, these problems and these situations. The best that we could do is try to work with what we have. And that what that's really what God expects us. So we said we okay, let's think. We do X, Y, and Z, you know, and we're fixing it. It's not helping, so maybe we do something else. And this is where usually, this is where it comes back to the, my, my point that I made earlier, that when people come and they talk to me or they talk to any rabbi and they say, hey, listen, I did X, Y, and Z and it's not helping. And you say, oh, you know why? Because you should really be doing, you know, A, B, and C instead of X, Y, and Z. They're like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. X, Y, and Z, that's what I need to do. So because of their stubbornness, they don't want to open up to it. So what we have to do is sort of, we have to be very open to like what we need to do. You know, what's difficult, what we need to do, let's take upon this, let's not take upon that. So it's something that we have to go, and we have to delve into it. And in our generation, we don't have a Kohen Gadol we could go to. We don't have a prophet, a Navi, that we could say, hey, why is this happening? Tell us, tell us what's going on over here. So we have to do it to the best of our knowledge. And that's what God accepts, you know, you know, and, you know, wants from us. And when we do that, when we show God, listen, I don't know. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. That has so much power, so much benefit. And with that, we see that was the final question. So with that, we wish everybody a most successful, amazing life that nobody should, none of us should have to deal with any suffering. We should learn from the Torah, like we spoke about for the Gemara says, that we should learn from the Torah. We don't need to learn from the, you know, from the, from the sufferings in life. And with that, may God bless each and every single one of us with only tremendous amount of bracha, hatzlacha, siyata deshmaya. And with those amazing blessings, we'll see God in that. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.